Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is Friday, 10, 11, 19, and there is much to talk about today, a lot of uh, revisiting and remembering uh, and putting those dots together. You know, every day I'm here, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2, only on Red State Talk Radio, and I'm soon coming up for my anniversary. I'd like some ideas on how to celebrate that one year at Red State, right? Um so feel free, email me at Tori at com or DM me or um, telegram me, whichever it is. Uh, I'd like to have some ideas of what we can do for my one-year anniversary on Red State. Um, today I wanted us to take a step back and revisit things that will make a lot of sense. And that's after I tell you what's really going on with this indictment. So cool. So funny. So obviously, corrupt SDNY, where's the jurisdiction? I'm totally fine with that. Uh, because what I realized was that early yesterday, a letter was sent out by Schiff, um, and this worked out perfectly, and I'll explain it to you. Um, so we're going we're gonna to talk about that first. Before we do some revisiting, and we're going to revisit that scorching memo that was released after McCabe stepped down. We're going to revisit a few names that we've forgotten and we have to think about. But then we're also going to talk about this amazing information that I got that I will work really, really hard to put it together with no Easter eggs, just straightforward um, in a write-up. But... Schiff was communicating with the Ukraine as this uh, complaint was drafted and before it was dropped. He actually sent people over to the Ukraine in August. I mean, this is just ridiculous that all this stuff happens. And all while our GOP, our senators, let's say, and those in the House, too, some of them, are sitting on their hands. It's almost as if they don't want to work. That's why they're not doing anything. They're used to doing a bunch of nothing. we got to change that. We need people that work for us. You were elected by us to be our voice, not your voice, not the deep state's voice, our voice. And you should be working. Where are they? Why aren't they working? We need them to work. We need them to do their job. You know, I'm finding it so frustrating that they're sitting there doing absolutely zero things. Zero. Absolutely nothing. Now, I have to say that um, yesterday's rally was great. I enjoyed it. I um. I saw some really weird things with these so-called, so-called protesters, uh, weird dancing on the street to their headphones. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. And then after the rally, these Somali gangs getting together, um, I, it was just so bizarre what I saw outside of the Trump rally. Inside, I could say, the behind President Trump was some lady that had 
tanned a little bit too much. Um, she's, uh, you know, she was mature. Uh, she was totally feeling herself. She totally stole the show. I couldn't stop watching her. It's not like she had like plump lips or her eyes were dazzling. You couldn't even see her eyes from the ball cap. It was her responses to whatever the president was saying that I was just like, yeah, girl, I'm there with you. I totally loved it. Um, it was great. The message was great. It was mm, therapeutic. I don't want to use that word because I want it to be stingy. It's like medicine with no sugar, right? It was vinegar. It was exactly the right punch you needed. And I loved it. I love it when he goes off script. He should never be on script. This man is working so hard. But I have to say that I watched Pence before President Trump, and it seemed like it was a totally different Mike Pence. The smile was broader. The attempt to be genuine was stronger. I don't know. It was just, it didn't bode well with me. At all. If someone would have told me that's a lookalike that maybe got plastic surgery, I'd be like, yep, okay, I believe it. It was just, it was not him that I was seeing. The Mike Pence that I've known for years is not him. So I think maybe we should play the funniest clip. And I haven't seen many, you know, arse kissing memes yet. I want to see them coming in. Um, I think... It would be appropriate for us to listen to the most important part, aside from, yo, where's Hunter Biden, right? Uh, for that case, where's Barack Hussein Obama? Last thing we saw is pictures from Africa with his he, she wife. So where are they? Take a listen to this. And your father was never considered smart. He was never considered a good senator. He was only a good vice president because he understood how to kiss Barack Obama's ass. They did exchange friendship bracelets, right? <laughs> Listen to what else he says. Thank you. Thank you. It's true. It's true. And they're always saying the same thing. Yeah, he got a billion five. We admit it. They admit it. There's nothing. So basically, he got paid for doing nothing. Everyone wants you to believe that it was because he was smart. He's not. Uh, none of them are. They're all privileged and they're all groomed to take the position coming forward, going forward. That will to come, that, that is to come, that their parents facilitate. And you know, people that work within, uh, the government, even the intelligence community, it's kind of like a family thing. And you don't get it until you see it manifest as such. I can tell you for a fact. 
I see it manifesting as such as a family thing. And that's totally fine because apples don't fall far from the trees and it costs the government a lot less money to know, you know, your previous two generations of history uh, before they sign you up to do the same job or similar jobs. Um, and speaking of intelligence community, I mentioned this yesterday. I'm going to reinforce it. I believe that the best way we can fix our intelligence community, aside from the fact that we have, uh, you know, National Security Administration, the NSA, we also have no such agencies. There are a lot of people working for agencies with no name. There are a lot of people working off the books. A lot of people that just pick up the phone. There's a special phone line. They put a code in and they explain what their concern is or what they're doing or updating. And that's about it. Like I said, could be your local Toys R Us guy. It could be, you know, uh, your, your Panera coffee maker. You know, it could be your kid's teacher. You don't know them. Now, in the other part, the front facing and the more, um, book, kept intelligence community should be staffed with average Americans that have been working for 40 years. Americans that love their country, Americans that we've collected data on for 40 years from birth until, you know, they're 40. And I think our intelligence community would benefit more if it dropped a lot of money into 40 somethings, you know, that are, you know, uh, secretaries that are, you know, car mechanics, anything, those that have the capacity to do certain things to actually work these intelligence desks and work to compile this data and work to conceal this information. Because we have a bunch of snowflakes that are run-of-the-mill idiots that believe that, you know, the world is owed to them straight off, that we owe them something, and they're being groomed and 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 leeches of deep state cabal, globalist cabal, globalist. It's not just here. Here is where the caliphate is for it, okay? The head snake operates here, but the body that does most of the work for the snake's head, right, is everywhere. It reaches out everywhere, and at some point, the snake will eat its own tail and just keep doing that. Just saying. Uh, So what we need is to fix our intelligence community with the right people, with the people that care about this country, that you know care about this country, that could have, you know, had felonies, that could have had misdemeanors, that could have had DUIs, that have debt. And you don't care that they have debt because you know from following them and profiling these people that they would never sell out their country. They'd rather burn in hell, you know, or be burned alive or skinned alive than, you know, give some commie information because it'll make them comfortable. Now, having said that, a lot of people are like, well, you know, when you're up against it, you don't know. Trust me. I've been there. And I was the first one that said, man, if someone gave me this, I'd be sipping my ties. I didn't. I chose the suffrage route, not because I'm like, oh, you know, Mother Teresa. It's because it didn't make me feel good. Um, so I, I, I think pain and struggle is what creates character, I guess. <laughs> and when it's too easy for you, 
You lack that morality, kind of like Hunter Biden. It was too easy for him. He just got into the Navy, became an officer, super stupid, kind of like Fredo. He just bought his degree. <laughs> you know, he's so dumb. Anyway, um, they don't have, uh, I would say, an appreciation for hard work. You know how, how we say it? Like uh, uh, kids will break something and be like, oh, that's okay. I'll buy another one. Do you know how many hours I had to work to get that other one? You know, you don't appreciate something unless you've lost something to gain it. And we have people in offices that have lost absolutely nothing and they've been provided everything. So right now, the panic that we are seeing is because we are removing this comfort that they have, this ability for them to do as they please, this ability for them to have anything they want on tap. Okay. Uh, and this is why they don't appreciate the nation they have. And this is why they are able to get rid of it so easily without second thought. They are able to take it out. You know, so many people are asking, well, there are good Republicans too, like GO peers. Like, why aren't they doing anything? Exactly. Because they're part of it. They don't want to work. That's the point. They don't want to sweat. That's the point. They're comfortable. For every single person out there that's a Lindsey Graham fan, Mark Levin fan, yeah, okay, they say great things. And the president will prop them up. The bottom line is we know what's underlying. Can you see the problems with Lindsey Graham yet? I mean, I've been saying it for years. They play the game well because in order to kind of those of you that have kids know that with your spouse, you're going to play good cop, bad cop to get them to do what they want. So you have the good cop and the bad cop, and then you give whatever information you want to give to the child so that they make the decision you want, right? That's manipulation. That's um, training them to be obedient. And this is exactly what, the Republican and Democrat party have been doing. We constantly think that there's two of them pulling on either side and, and because they're pulling on either side that the government stays propped up in reality, there is no party. And there are a few stragglers that actually got in bushy eyed, bright eyed. And I totally love that the president used that. I've said it that walked into Washington, not thinking, Oh, I can't wait to be corrupt. They walked into Washington thinking they were going to make a change, but then saw that nobody was working, saw that you could get comfortable and have everything you want at your feet. And it's important for us to point out the ones that haven't made a killing as, you know, senators, as Congress people, because it looks like, you know, most of these people don't even have a job like Bernie Sanders. And then suddenly they're in politics and own Lamborghinis and houses everywhere. And you're like, how did you do that on 194,000 a year? I mean, my family household, you know, bucks up to like 200,000 or to 250 a year. And we don't have Lamborghinis and houses. You get 194. That's not, you know, counting for the tax that they'll take out. And, and you have all that, like, how'd you do that? And so it's important for us, and I think, and I'm doing a little bit of digging, because we need to highlight those politicians that didn't come in loaded, okay, because some of them came in loaded, right? But we're going to look at the politicians that didn't come in loaded and still aren't loaded. Those are the guys you need to throw behind. I said it so many times. All of you should follow Kevin Kramer. Do you know that he's been congressman for like forever of North Dakota? 
Still has a humble house. Still a humble guy. Yeah, and doesn't have a net worth of millions. He is a career politician, which I, you know, which is something I loathe. But he's actually a career public servant. Like, that was his calling. Like, he did that for a living. That 194000 supports him and his family. Those are the facts that you need to look at. Like, what what have they been doing in the background? Like, Ocasio-Cortez didn't have money for her rent, but now she has money to splurge on all this other stuff. And you're thinking, wait a minute, did your salary change? Did you get a bump up? Like, how'd this happen? This is how corruption works. You may be going in there thinking you're making a difference, but once you get in there, you change. And, you know, the Senate is the monster. That's where people change. See, in Congress, not so much. The Senate, though, is where people really change. And I'm kind of impressed that um, Senator Kramer is in there, and he hasn't changed. I mean, I could see the stress on him. Uh, the last time I saw him, he looked really stressed out, like in person, um, and overworked. And that could be because of the committees that he sits on and the travel. And, you know, he's a freshman as a senator, even though he was in the House for so many years. Um He's he's a senator now, and that's a different monster. That's where, you know, I was like, the, I'm the person that would say, you know, uh, once you go into the Senate, it's like they remove you, clone you, and then replace you. People change like nobody's business. There are very few that don't. I mean, have you guys ever noticed how Jim Jordan's really down to earth? Uh, the, I mean, he's not Senate, but I just wanted to say, have you noticed how most of these people that we take kind to because they're transparent – look normal they don't have all the fancy things the other ones do this is important that you pay attention to this because if you pay attention to these small details it'll make all the difference on how you see your representatives your senators and how you use your vote because don't forget we have elections coming up and we need uh you know 2020 to get us President Trump. I mean, I want him for as long as we can, but unfortunately, that's not the case. And we do need another four years, yes, we do, to be able to gut the majority of the swamp, but it won't be done. There's remnants. It's kind of like an infection, right? It's an infection. You've got the festering infection, the site where it's there, but it's still running through your bloodstream. You need to remove it. And what I've been seeing is all these sealed indictments are popping up around the nation. Sealed indictments against district attorney judges. Sealed indictments against Supreme Court state judges. Sealed indictments against politicians within cities like in Maricopa County, Jeff Flakes and McCain's buddy. You know, that was running an adoption business, uh, you know, from the Marshall Islands. And uh, I, I was first made aware of this uptick in adoptions in the late 90s. There was this woman who works on, like, adoption things. And she wrote this stellar kind of, like, educational piece on how suddenly the biggest export Marshall Islands had was kids. And that was like, it makes your stomach turn just thinking about it. But this guy also has kids. And I want to know, like, what does his wife and kids think? Your daddy sells kids for a living. Um, all of these things are coming out. All of them. And what I love is that I'm seeing a lot of Matt Whitaker on TV. I absolutely adore him. He's like this big football teddy bear. 
you know, football jock with the teddy bear center. It's kind of like those chewing gums that you chew and then it's like, oh, what a surprise. There was liquid in it. <laughs> That's exactly how I see Matt Whitaker. Uh, he's hard hitting. I wouldn't want to be in front of him because I believe that he would be very strict and judgmental. Uh, I'm just saying in general, but, um, at least he's honest, right? So he's, he's one of those guys. <laughs> I like the fact that I'm seeing him more. And we're going to need to remember people like that because today we're going to talk about some crazy stuff. This indictment totally works in our favor. In the article, I'd even write, well, you know, I'm kind of questioning the jurisdiction not to give him any ideas. But man, I told you guys I have a source in Schiff's office. I don't know if Schiff listens to this, but I don't have one. I have a few. I know what he wears. I know how he smells. I know when he tucks his shirt too far down the back of his pants but forgets the front. I know how he turns his head. I know how he stutters when he talks to his sister. There is so much I know because I am, I have created one of the biggest shift files ever. Now, obviously, that shift file disappeared uh, with 8chan, the majority of it. But that's okay. I got a big brain, stick it some in there and regrouping, you know, obviously I know that HN for all of you that have hidden things on the board, uh, you know, coded stuff, uploading documents. So, you know, you don't have it on you. Um, and that's how I work as an investigative journalist. I have people drop me stuff in, in forums, uh, you know, coded and, you know, go figure. There's so many of them, right? Where are you going to find them? And, I know they asked people, hey, if you have your board's number or whatever and you want to move it over to the new platform, yeah, I'm not doing that. The FBI's got their eyes all over it. The bad guys got their eyes all over it, and that's my problem. The people that are working within it probably have their eyes all over it too. So that concerns me because what we don't seem to realize is the infection. We know where it is. We see it. But this is why we take antibiotics for like the full course is because the infection sustains itself. So not saying that I won't be using 8chan or, you know, anything else. I'm just saying that whatever happened, happened. And now it's time to start at a point zero, um, you know, point zero, meaning without anything and starting over again. And I'm totally fine with that. And all of you should now, right after this break, we're going to talk about CrowdStrike in the Ukraine. Now, I wrote a piece that was published uh, a week or two ago about CrowdStrike having contracts uh, within the state of New York and how uh, they work for the Southern District of New York and how they upload all the information. Because remember, the New York Attorney General, Letitia, you know, came in foaming at the mouth. I'm going to get the Trumps and everything, and I'm just going to find something to get them on. Remember, she ran on that, which was crazy. I don't know how she ran. That totally, you know, negates your ability to run, but she still ran. So uh, we're going to talk about the Ukraine and CrowdStrike. We are. But before we do, we're going to talk about this indictment because it was beautiful. And it demonstrated to Schiff that we have sources. That he, his leaky Behind his leaky pencil neck self has leaks itself. So we knew because yesterday what was funny is that 
we had arrested these two guys, which if you guys read my article, I read the indictment, total rubbish. I told you it was rubbish yesterday on the fly. Total rubbish, total speculation, total like, you know, far-fetched, stretched, grabbing for straws kind of thing. Um, he didn't know that they were arrested. That's a big deal. That is the thing that people need to know. Adam Schiff sent that subpoena yesterday morning, but the dudes were arrested the night before. That means he had no idea they were arrested. That tells you everything you need to know. Everything you need to know. And besides, the prosecutor, he's a patriot. So I just wanted to say this is perfect because now, Everything Ukraine will be on the record and under seal, and Schiff can't get them to come to the committee. I'll see you all in just a bit after this break. All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. All right. So what I wanted to start with right now is the whole um, indictment, okay? Now, it's it's rubbish. I said that yesterday without having read the whole thing, without getting all the background, without seeing all the interviews. It's almost as if we knew. What did we know? It's almost as if we knew that... Adam Schiff was going to ask these two guys who are private citizens, have nothing to do with the campaign. They're just rich real estate dudes, right? And they do business ventures to his committee. I noticed yesterday as I was putting this together in an article that I published through Laura's site, um, loomerd.com, also known as lauraloomer.us, uh, it was incredible because all I saw was them pushing around Ukrainian, Russian, Ukraine. These guys are Americans, first of all. And if you look at their history, they're, uh, you know, they actually have American passports. Okay. And it was some ridiculous, bogus indictment. And I was thinking, who would do this bogus indictment and why? And then I saw that, you know, the House uh, Foreign Committee actually released uh, copies of, uh, the letter that, um, Schiff Cummings, uh, Schiff and Cummings sent. And here's what they did. They sent it to their lawyer and said, pursuant to the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry, which they haven't even done yet. They haven't even voted to have an impeachment inquiry. This is what pisses me off the most. And the thing is, I just retweeted a video of Kevin Kramer saying the same thing. Senator Kramer said, this is ridiculous. This is like, it's like me saying, well, I'm going to subpoena Joe right now, uh, for my court case. And I don't have a court case. I didn't even file a court case. I didn't even get a hearing date or anything. I'm, I'm subpoenaing you for my court case. And you're just like, what court case? The court case everybody's talking about, but there's no court docket. Yeah. Okay. So. This is where we at. So here is a subpoena again. How do you subpoena someone without an impeachment inquiry? Actually a formal one. So that's number one. And it says the subpoena compels your client, Lev Parnas, 
to produce the document set forth in the accompanying schedule on October 16, 2019, and a subpoena that compels your client, Igor Fruman, to produce the document set forth by the accompanying schedule on October 16, 2019. The subpoenas are being issued by the Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence under the rules of House of Representatives, blah, 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 blah. So he says, press reports indicate that Mr. Parnas and Mr. Fruman were involved with efforts to press Ukrainian officials to change the management structure at a Ukrainian state-owned company, Naftogaz, to benefit individuals involved with Mr. Giuliani's push to get Ukrainian officials to interfere in the 2020 election. Another made-up statement. Mr. Parnas, he goes on to say a, a bunch of stuff, and then he goes, Mr. Parnas and Mr. Fruman are also clients of Trump's personal lawyer, Giuliani. When Mr. Giuliani asked about the efforts to install new members on NAFGAS's board, he responded, I may or may not know anything about that. He can't tell you because they're his clients. He's a, he's a lawyer, right? He doesn't have one client. He has a lot of clients, right? So let's get this straight. So throughout this period, Mr. Parnas and Mr. Fruman and Mr. Sargent reportedly tooted connections to Giuliani and Trump while trying to install new management at the top of the Ukraine's massive state gas company. They also appear to have had inside knowledge of the U.S. government's plan in the Ukraine. For for example, Mr. Parnas and Mr. Fruman boasted that they had worked with Mr. Giuliani to force the recall this spring of American ambassador to the Ukraine, Marie L. Yovanovitch. Wait a minute. But see, here's the thing. The Washington Post is claiming that they did that in 2018. She was removed in 2019 for the comment she made in Munich of 2019, February of 2019, where she was with Biden and Ukrainian officials at a meeting. So was Kurt Volker. And I guarantee you that information should be, unless Schiff was too much of a vagina to ask, you know, uh, in the transcript, which Schiff refuses to release because it's private. <laughs> It's not in his best interest. Anyway, he goes on to say uh, that on September 30th, 2019, the committee sent letters to your clients requesting that they produce documents relating to the committee's inquiry by October 7th, 2019, and appear for depositions on October 10th, 2019, for Mr. Parnas, and October 11th, 2019, for Mr. Fruman. Okay, so get this. They're supposed to appear before the committee, so that way they could go to the pony show on the 16th. But before that, yesterday and today, uh, you know, respectively, Parnas and, and Fruman were supposed to appear for depositions. And they were supposed to provide documentation, but they didn't provide anything. It says on October 3rd, the lawyer sent the letter in your capacity as counsel of Mr. Parnas and Mr. Fruman. You asked for additional time to respond to the committee's request, but you also wrote that the amount of time required is difficult to determine. You objected the requests on various grounds, and you argued that they were intended to harass, intimidate, and embarrass your client, which is 100% true. Your letter confirmed, however, that mess, uh, Mr.s Parnas and Fruman assisted Mr. Giuliani in connection with his representation of President Trump. 
On October 8, 2019, you sent a letter, a second letter stating that your clients would not appear for the depositions on October 10th and 11th. So the lawyer said, we're not coming. On October 9th, you sent an email informing the committee counsel that your clients agree with and adopt the position of the White House counsel pertaining to the Democrat inquiry, which is Pony Show. You attached a copy of the letter that the White House counsel wrote to House Speaker Nancy Pelosi and our committees on Tuesday stating that President Trump will not cooperate with the impeachment inquiry. Basically, he cited, there is no impeachment inquiry. We are not complying. Tough noogies. So he then says, your clients are private citizens who are not employees of the executive branch. They may not evade requests from Congress for documents and information necessary to conduct our inquiry. They are required by law to comply with the enclosed subpoenas. Not a subpoena, not an impeachment inquiry. They are not exempt from this requirement merely because they happen to work with Mr. Giuliani and they may not defy congressional subpoenas merely because President Trump has chosen a path of denial, defiance, and obstruction. Please contact the Staff, blah, blah, blah. This was sent yesterday morning. So pay attention. So the lawyer responded on October 8th saying they're not coming. On October 9th, the, right before his clients were arrested, he sent an email saying, look, we're not coming, man, because this, this, this. Now, one would say, oh, Schiff got them indicted since he couldn't get it. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> so here's what's going on. The, the, they were, an investigation went from zero to a hundred and I'll tell you when on September 30th, when they got the letters to produce information. So the Southern district of New York had this information and they took information from a Florida private suit, uh, that these guys have. And so they put this narrative together, went to a grand jury and got it done. They unsealed it, you know, the day before yesterday at night. After the attorney sent a letter saying, here you go, it's uh, not a real impeachment inquiry, not a real subpoena, Psh, take us to court, sue us. And Schiff blew his top. He's like, how dare you? I'm going to put you in your place. And sent off this scathing letter saying, how dare you do this? He sent that letter on October 10th while the clients were already in jail the evening of October 9th. They weren't trying to flee the country. They knew exactly where they were. It was federal. It was done through customs, which was perfect. Uh, that way it stayed under seal. And that means that guess what? Adam Schiff has no leakers. That means that he is in the dark and you can see them shooting bullets, hoping that something hits. This is how desperate they are. And here's the deal. If you actually look at the indictment, there's some really funny stuff like, oh, they did business. They were trying to do a recreational marijuana business, which I would have. And I, and I said this yesterday, too, which I would have tried to do if I had the cash in four states. They wanted, you know, to make money and they had a foreign investor. No big deal. It was fine. Right. Uh, that isn't a big deal. It's literally a nothing burger, but they're making a, some, a something burger. So these guys have been dealing with real estate for a very long time. One of them actually worked for Fred Trump, right? So here's what their crimes are. They make money. How dare they become rich? They wanted cash. You know, they wanted to capitalize on recreational marijuana, but needed investors. You know, how dare these business people think that they can seek investors? You can't do that. You know, they met with foreign investors over dinner and drinks to discuss this. So what? You are coaxing, you know, 
other country nationals with big fat pockets to invest in a business idea and you wine and dine them. Uh, yeah, that's how business, you know, is conducted usually, right? That's what you usually do. How many people have built houses, building parking lots, businesses, food chains, whatever you call it with foreign investment? Tons. Because they have money in their country, surplus, they come here and they want to invest. No big deal. Now, apparently, it's a crime if you never donated to President Trump before he ran. Because it was suspicious to them how they dropped 50 grand. (laughs) How these people that are selling multi-million dollar properties in condominium across the U.S. and specifically in Miami, Florida... uh, it's it's highly suspicious that they never made political contributions, but they suddenly did for Donald Trump. It's like, okay, that's like half of America right now. Uh, sounds like a conspiracy theory, right? Here we go. They got a million dollars, about a million dollars from their foreign investor to to put into the marijuana recreational business. Now, weeks later, they donated $10,000. So that means that that $10,000 was the Russian money. And like I said yesterday, ooh, the bank flagged it as Russian. <laughs> as Russian. Oh, my gosh. It is so crazy. So these two Americans are actually of other descent, just like most Americans. One of them has Ukrainian descent. The other one, Belarus. So, you know, that's racist, right? So can we say that every Somali, every Syrian, every, every, you know, Muslim is now a jihadi? Racist much? I mean, I'm just saying. So he, it gets really, really complex the way they word it to make it sound like it's something when it's nothing. Uh, they're trying to say that the $10,000 was donated on behalf of the Russian. That just gave him a million dollars a couple weeks earlier for this business that never went off. And apparently they made a lot of money from selling property in Miami. And because they made so much money selling multi-million dollar properties to foreigners, um, and after, you know, making all this money, they donated this, some of that money, like, like a quarter, 20% of that to pack for Trump. And the money apparently wasn't theirs, even though it was commissioned on all these properties they sold. It was foreign money. And it's like, have you guys ever watched that HGTV show? That's the first thing that came to mind. Um, called Million Dollar Listing, where you have that gay Swedish dude, uh, the Arab guy, some, some Jewish dude, and all these other foreigners that sell multi-million dollar properties that sell a house and make like 300,000. Yeah. Those guys. So, you know, for like a smaller house, it's like 300,000 commission. Yeah. So maybe we should start looking into them because if they're making donations to the Clinton campaign, I'm just going to assume that the other guy's doing it on behalf of Lebanon. So, because, you know, he made all this money selling this property he's not allowed to make money and he's not allowed to use his profit to donate to any super PAC so if he's donated to a super PAC I want to see it are we kidding guys like this is how ridiculous it is and I'm fine with that because now that these guys have been indicted we know exactly where they're sitting what jail they're sitting in and we know that every single document every single question every single deposition everything that goes forward from here on after is under seal and, and, and Schiff can't use it for talking points, can't use it to lie, can't use it to push it out. Instead, they can have the glory of saying that two guys that had a lawyer that happens to be the president's lawyer with them, you know, representing them too in cases, in other cases, whatever it may be, 
have been indicted. Oh, and here's the kicker. Apparently, uh, one of them, Parnas, it was Parnas, uh, apparently he connected Giuliani on a Skype call with Victor Shokin. And he made the connection for the meeting with Lochenko in New York. Yeah, he would. Just like I would for my attorney if I spoke Ukrainian. So if my attorney's like, yo, I want to find out some stuff. I'm working on something and I want to get with someone um, in Greece, but I just can't seem to communicate and get times. Would you do it? I'd do it. I'd be like, yeah, of course. Let me get it. Hey, secretary. Hey, this. Um, can we arrange a Skype call? We can do it like this. I'll walk you through this. This is how we can talk. This is how it's secure. Because I speak the language. Of course I'm going to help out my attorney. My attorney is my lifeline. My attorney is, uh, you know, the person that dies with my secrets. Uh, my attorney is the one that makes sure my behind is covered when I'm in a court of law. Of course I'm going to help him. Whatever he wants, I will help. Because that is the least I can do. And this guy spoke Ukrainian, so he coordinated it because he speaks Ukrainian. And apparently that means that... <laughs> That's, that that's corrupt in some way. So it's just so weird. And what's ridiculous is that these clowns of Democrats, aside from having made, uh, you know, embarrassed our nation on a global scale, stage, talking smack, attacking our president, attacking us with the help, of course, of the fake news media, right? Uh, you know, they are weaponizing anything they can against us. Anything. They're clearly weaponizing it and they're applauding, you know, attacks on American citizens. They even committed the biggest act of war, which was paying for these caravans to collapse our infrastructure. But no one wants to talk about that. The mainstream media has gone insane. I mean, I saw reports. Oh, Attorney General Barr sat down with Rupert Murdoch, you know, because Fox News is so bad. Spank, spank. People are so dumb. I have an article on TorySays.com where you could see Rupert Murdoch was part of the Epstein crew, guys. Hello, part of the Epstein crew. Hello. I even had Michael Wolf, you know, where I wrote it out, how he was ready to pee his pants while some girl was giving him fellatio, some little kid on a jet, because he was so excited that he was going to sit down with Rupert Murdoch and, 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 and ask him questions. This is the stuff that they're not talking about, the actual facts. Yeah, it would be nice to say, oh, President Trump, you know, sent William Barr to school Fox. No, he didn't. We don't care. Fox can tank. I told you guys, Disney, Fox. I had a lot of people tell me, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, fair enough. Here you go. Rupert Murdoch is in trouble with Epstein. Okay, this is how it goes. And he's pissed. And of course, he's going to show his teeth. And a lot of people are, oh, O-A-N. I don't know, man. Not convinced there either. Not convinced there either because they don't, uh, prop up their, the real journalists, the people that actually give them the information. You know, you DM all these people thinking like they're going to give you, uh, you know, any props for what you say and, 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 and the great work, you know, every soldier loves to get a medal, right? I was actually devastated yesterday because the guy at Powerline got, you know, um, nodded for exposing that Ilhan Omar had a different name. We all know, those of us that listen to the Tory Sess show, I broke that. I know that. I know her, who her name is. I know when she was really born. I know how she falsified her documents coming in here. But I was okay with that because that's the way things work. 
You know, that's the way things work when that person is able to have spotlight on them. You know what I'm saying? Like for me, I know I got a lot of texts and it kind of hurt a little bit. Oh, I wanted him to say, hey, Tori, but I did get the Tori, you know, nod with Lindell. For me, that's how I'm going to interpret it. But you have to understand that there's certain people that you can put in the spotlight and certain people you can't. Definitely me, not super spotlight. Like I can be spotlight, like, you know, out there in the mainstream, but not super spotlight, right? Not like president spotlight. Um, I pray every day for my president. I know that this administration is looking after each and every one of us and people like me that are working really, really hard to get things done. But I just want you guys to know that you cannot trust anyone that is mainstream because there's always a give and take. The fact that they're on air, the fact that they have commercials, it still leaves them open because, you know, what if any of all their, you know, sponsors gang up and say, oh, you can't do this. They suddenly won't do that. You see what I mean? So always have it with a grain of salt. Always go to the people that are being knocked down. You know, um, I know the president is looking after all of us. I, I, there's a guy, um, that's, you know, in North Dakota, well, slash Minnesota. I don't know if you guys have heard him, Holmeseth, and he follows child pornography, child trafficking, um, within the government ranks and kind of does what I do on a different level. He had all these warrants, all these fake uh, court cases thrown at him, everything. And they just, the warrants finally went away. They just disappeared. That shows that this administration is trying to help all the people that are doing something. I just wanted to point that out because that guy has been devastated with lawsuits. I mean, I I only had one person attack me. I don't think anybody else has the balls to come after me, uh, you know, because I probably have a profile on them. I probably have a dossier on them. I mean, I'm in North Dakota right now, so it's only 700,000 people, and it doesn't happen every day that you get the leading law enforcement calling you all any name in the book with no evidence, no loss, no complaint. And, you know, people aren't going to look different because it, look at it and say, wait a minute, hey, how are you making these claims, man? Do you have a complaint? Nope. Do you have a victim? Nope. Do you have any loss of some kind? Nope. I could say it anyway. No one's going to check it because unfortunately, you know, I'm the first person to say, you know, uh, we're only as racist as um, racism exists when you perpetuate it. In my state, there is racism. And it's not so much color racism. It's outside of North Dakota racism. They despise anyone that's been in a city. They despise anyone relocating to their state. They despise anyone. What do they call them? Outsiders. There's like traumatic stories on online where people, you know, migrated from another state like Florida to open up a coffee shop and they were singled out because how dare they think that they can bring their city stuff here and, and change our town or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so that is actually a, a very racist um, quality in, in a sense of exclusion that the state does suffer. So, you know, when this guy comes out with allegations and he has no leg to stand on, you know, factually uh, just narrates, you know, no one's going to think twice because, you know, this is a, a reporter that's attacking, you know, like Jim Poolman, for example, his wife ran as lieutenant governor for um, the same attorney general and, Rumor has it that he tried to solicit sex from a little child in Kentucky while he was there at the Derby. But nobody wants to talk about that. Anyway, I digress. 
Holmseth is fine, finally, because the warrants were a really big problem for him. So that means our president really understands where and what the issues are. And I think his warrants were dropped because, from what I hear, uh, two sealed indictments against attorneys within the state of Minnesota and state attorneys in the state of Minnesota, one former, one current, are actually about to pop. Okay? I just wanted to point that out for those of you that follow him. It's important. Now, as we see, corruption exists in every facet of everybody's life. We see it now in Washington where we have the House Democrats purporting that they're pushing an impeachment inquiry or they're undergoing an impeachment inquiry, blah, 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 but they haven't voted for it. So there is no impeachment inquiry because basically they're judge, jury, and executioner. I mentioned how appalled I was that a teacher of my daughter's had that on her desk. They don't need to, to, to advise you. You have no rights. You have no right to discovery. You don't need to know who's on the panel. You don't need to know the rules. We're just making it up as we go. That's basically what they're saying. Adam Schiff made a decision to call this an impeachment inquiry, and he gave the signal to every single mainstream media outlet, including Fox, including OAN, including all these right-wing you know, blog sites and news sites that are purporting it as an impeachment inquiry when it's not. It is absolutely not. You cannot have an impeachment inquiry without a vote because you need the vote to be able to push it, correct? So he, it's a process that you have to go through. This is all orchestrated just to tear our nation down and embarrass us on a global platform. It, it is ridiculous. This is Witch hunt number two, this is Russia hoax resurrected with a little bit of Ukraine. And now they're going to convince us that Russia and the Ukraine are working together to, to get Trump reelected because that's working for them. I mean, come on, guys. This is just how ridiculous they've become. They're trying to convince us of things that don't make sense. Soon they'll convince us that oil mixes with water. This is where they get to it. This indictment saved us more 24-7 World War coverage of BS. Now Schiff can't get them to come. Now they're in a criminal investigation. You don't get this documentation because it's part of an ongoing criminal investigation that is under seal. So ergo, Schiff can go cry to his mommy. Go home to mommy, Schiff, because we've got ears everywhere. You think you were super leaker? You haven't seen the good guys yet. We've just been sitting patiently. Now, after the break, you're going to see how Schiff, to formulate this fake whistleblower complaint, actually had someone go to the Ukraine to gather more evidence. Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So with that pretext of our first hour, as always, live 12 to 2, only on Red State Talk Radio, it's Friday. So we need to revisit Adam Schiff and what he's doing, because I hear Adam Schiff is in a lot of trouble. I don't know if that's out in public yet. But we have to remember a name, a name that I told the world to remember um, just before I dropped the face the face services article i think it was like june maybe even yeah no it was june it was definitely june it was right after my personal twitter account was banned and that's because i mentioned it you know a, a last name of patel is 
Pakistani, of course. Patel, Patel, Patel. Some are Indian, but it's usually Pakistani. Uh, I could tell you guys that the most people, I have so many friends that are named Patel in London. It's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> really, uh, anyway, Cash Patel. Cash. Cash Patel is a guy who doesn't like the spotlight. Cash Patel was a lawyer. Um, he's about 39 now. I think he's like younger than me by like a year or two, maybe a year. Um, so he may be 40. No, yeah, maybe 40, maybe no, he's like 39 ish. Uh, so he's kind of like a perpetual, um, okay. So he went to law school. Uh, his license kind of lapsed, um, works out of Florida. He actually worked, uh, very closely with, um, Devin Nunes. He actually came into the limelight just a little bit. First of all, because he went to like fundraise that lawyers do, you know, where they're like date with so-and-so, blah, 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 fundraise, you know, where you put like eligible bachelors to date, you know, some old biddy with cash so you can raise some money, right? Anyway, so he was going to be on that and he kind of got into the spotlight. So who is, uh, you know, cash? Well, Cash was the guy that um, authored the memo that Adam Schiff foamed at the mouth not to release. Uh, this was the memo that was um, that annihilated, I would say, the left's, uh, I would say, um, orchestration of this Mueller report of how this Russia thing happened, etc. Um, this letter, uh, this memo, this memo, first of all, um, was a comp- was released and, uh, declassified thanks to, um, Cash Patel who wrote it. It was a memo that he sent to all, um, members of the House Intel Committee. And uh, this memo was giving very specific facts in the ongoing DOJ investigation, FBI investigation, and their use of uh, the FISA uh, laws and how they use the courts. And in this memo, they wrote down facts that raised concerns about the legitimacy and the legality of what the DOJ and the FBI were doing along with Judge Collier's court, the Fisk court, right? And um, they kind of like broke it down. And McGahn, who was the lawyer at the time for the president, uh, the White House counsel, he sent a letter to Devin Nunes saying you can, you know, declass it and publish it. So in this letter that he wrote to him uh, in February, he said um, that on the 29th, uh, the, uh, you know, House uh, Intelligence Committee vote to disclose publicly a memo that contained classified information provided to the committee in connection with its oversight activities. So basically Cash Patel said to Devin Nunes, we could put together a memo of all the information we have, all the verified information we are able to have and put it together and send it to everyone because we have the right and we have the obligation to oversee how these people are working when it comes to the 
intelligence community because we're talking FISA, right? So you need to remember Cash's name because he's going to come around. So in this letter, McGahn makes it clear that the Constitution vests the president with the authority to protect information for national security secrets uh, from being disclosed. Uh, He makes mention of that, that, you know, the executive branch is not, um, you know, um, going on the assumption that the committee will be responsible enough to protect such classified info um, uh, lightly, but it assumes that it will and uphold the laws of the United States. And he goes on to say that uh, President Donald Trump, uh, President Donald Trump understood that the protection of national security is the first and outmost obligation. And accordingly, he directed all his staff, um, his um, uh, national security advisors, his lawyers to assess the declassification request. Let's keep in mind that John Kelly was super pissed. Pence was super pissed. Rosenstein was foaming at the mouth. Everybody was foaming at the mouth. So this doesn't get released. So based on the assessment of it and in light of the public's interest for the memo, the president actually authorized the D class of the memo. And let me tell you what the memo says, because we need to remember this purpose. And this memo was written January 18th, 2018. The memorandum provides members an update on significant facts finding relations, you know, according uh, uh, along the lines of how the DOJ, FBI and fiscal courts have interacted. Investigation update. On October 21st, 2016, DOJ and FBI sought and received FISA probable cause order not under Title VII, not under Title VII, authorizing electronic surveillance on Carter Page from the fiscal court. Now, I wrote an article telling everyone that that was when they got the FISA report a long, long time ago. Consistent with the requirements under FISA, uh, the application had to be first certified by the director, deputy director of the FBI. It then required the approval of the attorney general, deputy attorney general, or the Senate confirmed assistant attorney general for the national security division. If you go to my big league politics, go to bigleaguepolitics.com backslash author backslash Tory, or just Google big league politics, um, Tory FISA. An article will come up because I'm telling you exactly what you will find in the FISA warrants and the applications and clearly describe this process. There's a lot of signatures that have to go on this. That means that all these people signed off on this. Okay. The director of the FBI has to sign off on this FISA, including the renewal. Okay, because there were three renewals. The initial one was in October of 2016. We had a renewal in January, a renewal in April, and a renewal in June of 2017, right? The the following ones. So this is really important that they renewed it, saying it was still valid, obviously with different judges. So the FBI and the Department of Justice obtained one initial FISA warrant targeting Carter Page and three FISA renewals from the uh, FISA court. As required by statute, blah, 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 a FISA order on an American citizen must be renewed by the FISA court 90 days, and each renewal requires a separate filing uh, and a separate finding of probable cause. Now, 
in my article, I told you guys, this was supposed to be up for renewal in January, on January 21st. They actually renewed it before then. Not only that, they added information that they got when they flew to London to beef it up more. So there were extra pages on it because you gotta make it look relevant. So what they did was they included circular reporting to justify this renewal. That's what happened. And again, all of these clowns signed it before President Trump swore in. I'm just saying. So Director Comey signed three FISA applications in question on behalf of the FBI. And McCabe signed one. Sally Yates signed one. Dana Bonte signed one. Rod Rosenstein each signed one or more FISA application on the DOJ. So did other people. So did Pompeo. This is how we found out about all this stuff, too. Now, everybody and their mother signed this. Okay. There's no one that didn't sign it. John Kelly knew about it. It's ridiculous how stupid they all played. And it makes me so angry that nobody knows just how, you know, this happened. You know, Adam Schiff was dying to find a PP tape. So funny. I would just like that disgraced senator that got caught for PPing on prostitutes and got hit with TheraBand in the face, who I mentioned and suddenly came out into the open. Anyway, um, but here's their findings. Number one, the dossier compiled by Christopher Steele on behalf of the DNC and Hillary Clinton formed the essential part of the Carter Page FISA application. Steele was a longtime FBI source who was paid over $160,000 by the DNC and Clinton campaign via law firm Perkins Coy. Go to ToriSays.com. Look at the Perkins Coy article I wrote. But here's what they omit is that Obama for America also had their funds pooled there. I'm just saying. And they also paid research firm Fusion GPS to obtain derogatory information on Donald Trump's ties to Russia. Subpart A, neither the initial application in October of 2016 nor any other renewals disclose or reference the role of the DNC, Clinton campaign, or any party campaign in funding Steele's efforts, even though the political origins of the Steele dossier were known to senior DOJ and FBI officials. So the DOJ and the FBI, all these clowns that got together, never once put it in there to tell the judge, yo, Hillary Clinton funded this. Hey, the DNC was paying for this. Hey, these are the the Democrats people that are doing it. They didn't let the judge know, which let's be honest. We knew, of course she knew. Okay. Let's just put it that way. I don't know why she's still on a bench. So the initial FISA application notes that Steele was working for a named U.S. person but does not name Fusion GPS and Principal Glenn Simpson, Daniel Jones, who was paid by a U.S. law firm representing the DNC. The application does not mention Steele, was ultimately working on behalf of and paid by the DNC or the Clinton campaign, or that the FBI had separately authorized payment to Steele for the same information. So he got double dip. So he got paid by them and the FBI. Get it. Then he goes on to put, he, he authored, this is what Cash wrote. Cash authored this. The Carter Page FISA application also cited extensively September 23rd, 2016, Yahoo News article by Michael Isakoff, which focuses on Page's July 2016 trip to Moscow. Circular reporting. Then he goes on to saying that Steele was suspended and then terminated at an FBI source 
for what the FBI defines as the most serious violations an unauthorized disclosure to the media and his relationship with the FBI on October 30th, 2016, uh, Mother Jones article by David Korn. David knew about the dossier. He wrote about it. He had the dossier before everybody else knew there was a dossier. McCain had given him that dossier. Mmm. So here's where we get to the nitty gritty. So they fired Steele, but we still have text messages in 2017 of how, you know, the Senate, you know, Burr, you know, how Warner and Feinstein and all these clowns wanted to get together with Christopher Steele. And who was the middle guy? Oh, yeah, that's right. Daniel Jones was in England meeting with Christopher Steele and was going to be coming down to talk to the rest of the people on, you know, business that he's conducting with uh, Steele. I mean, that is part of the or testimony as well. And the text messages we have from Adam Waldman. So this was all a fix, completely a fix. And nobody in the media is reporting just how big of a fix this is. Because you're going to see how big of a fix this Ukrainian complaint is, too, because they operated in the same manner. We've got information from the ethics oversight that Adam Schiff authorized travel of his own staffer. And Adam Schiff, you've got some floppy lips because, you know, who told? I don't know. You got to look behind your back sometimes. You know, you got to see if there's any eyes on those walls because I could be a fly on the wall. But. He did the same thing. He sent someone, they, they authored this complaint and then they went to the Ukraine to gather information to bring it back and beef it up. And the idiot had a signature on it because he sent his most trusted dude. <laughs> like I said, you want trust? You pick people that are in their forties and above. Forty to sixty-five, that sweet spot where you can serve your nation in the intelligence house or senate committee. That way, if you're a clown, you can hire someone that's definitely a clown. And if you're a patriot, you definitely know you've got patriots galore to pick from. Now, Steele in this in this memo says that numerous encounter with the media violated the cardinal rule of source handling maintaining confidentiality and demonstrated that Steele had become less reliable source for the FBI no he was planting the information they needed to get out this FISA application in and to beef it up now before now number 3 it says before and after Steele was terminated as a source he maintained contact what i told you and what i wrote about with the DOJ via then associate deputy attorney general Bruce Orr. He was associate deputy attorney general and a senior DOJ official who worked closely with deputy attorney generals Yates and later Rosenstein. You mean Baker. You mean all these other clowns that were trying to help Waldman's client. Anyway, um, Shortly after the election, the FBI began interviewing Orr, documenting his communications with Steele. For example, in September of 2016, Steele admitted to Orr his feelings against candidate Trump, you know, that he didn't like him. Done. During the same period, Orr's wife was employed by Fusion GPS to assist in the cultivation of opposition research on Trump. Or later provided the FBI with all of his wife's opposition research paid for the by the DNC and Clinton campaign via Fusion GPS. The Orr's relationship with Steele and Fusion G- GPS was inexplicably concealed from the face. So when they put the application, they didn't say that the assistant deputy 
attorney general or this and this DOJ official and then Nellie Orr, who worked the Russia desk with Marie Yovanovitch, right, was going to the Ukraine to collect dirt or manufacture dirt on Manafort. That was clearly omitted from it. It's just like, oh, yeah, we got reports. According to the head of the FBI, Assistant Director Bill Priestap corroborated the Steele dossier when it was in its infancy. When they first applied, it was in its infancy. And then when Steele was, you know, terminated supposedly as a source of this um, um, uh, validation of the report that was conducted by an independent unit with FBI, assessed that Steele's reporting was only minimally corroborated. So they checked his reporting after they got the FISA warrant, right, after they got the FISA warrant. They then checked and said, oh, you know, we can't confirm all this information you gave us, Steele, so you're fired. Really. But in January, again, early January of 2017, Director Comey briefed the president, at that time President-elect Trump, on a summary of the Steele dossier, even though it was, according to his June 2017 testimony, salacious and unverified. While the FICE application relied on Steele's past, wait, 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 hold on, listen to this. So it was salacious and unverified, right? But James Comey still put his signature on it right after the meeting he had with the president to renew this FISA application. Are you listening? He said it was salacious and unverified, but even in June, he put his signature on that document before. Wait, was he fired? It was June 25th. He was already fired. So who was, oh, it was Rod Rosenstein. That's right. But he already put it in January and April. He put his renewal signature. That's right. So January and April, Comey put the signature on uh, the FISA renewal, even though in June, just a couple months later, he said it was salacious and unverified. So are you saying that you didn't look at the application? Uh, you knew that the FISA application had salacious and unverified material, but you still submitted it to the court with your signature? What are you saying? I mean, Peter Strzok signed off as a special agent, but Comey had to put a signature too on it. So while the FISA application relied on Steele's past record of credible reporting on the other unrelated matters, it ignored and concealed, you know, his anti-Trump financial and verbal, you know, expressions of it. So in December um, of 2017, Deputy Director McCabe testified before the committee that no surveillance warrant would have been sought from the FISA court without the Steele dossier information. So, and lastly, he adds to this that the page FISA application also mentions information regarding um, George Papadopoulos, but there's no evidence of any cooperation or conspiracy between Page and Papadopoulos. The Papadopoulos info triggered the opening of an FBI counterintelligence against investigation in late July by Strzok. Strzok was reassigned by the special counsel to FBI Human Resources for improper texting with his mistress, Lisa Page, the lovers, where they both demonstrated a clear bias against Trump and in favor of Clinton, whom Strzok also investigated. Orchestrating leaks to the media included a meeting with Deputy Director McCabe to discuss insurance policy against President Trump's election. So this was the memo that was unclassified and the media did not report. This is important because we had an FBI director who clearly 
renewed these FISA warrants and then claims that it was salacious and unverified. And he signed it the day he met with the president to tell him, hey, they got PP tapes or something. And I don't know. He's sitting there telling him the salacious and unverified stuff hoping to get something out of it before he heads down to his meeting to renew the FISA warrant and then get into that. Well, they had that morning meeting earlier that morning, Obama, Biden, Supreme court, chief justice, Roberts, all of them got together to see how they can delay or uh, delay the inauguration or annul the elections. It didn't fly. The chief justice said, that's not happening. You need a better insurance policy. You can go for impeachment. That's the best thing you can do. This is what you can do. So Comey decided, I'm going to work on that before we file the FICE application. Allow me to go and tell the president about this and see how he responds. He might be stupid enough to tell me something. We can add to this FISA application before we renew it, even though it hasn't expired yet. Hasn't expired yet. So yeah, let's, let's, let, let me do this. So he spoke with the president, tried to collect information, failed. Remember, he put his signature on it and then he called it salacious and unverified. So that means what? That he just put his signature on it and didn't read it? Mm, that's not doing your job, is it? Because that's your signature and that's one of the highest courts in the land. That is one of the most important things ever. This memo, when it was released, it was released, of course, on a Friday. Um, and it was just about Carter Page. It doesn't have all the other people that they've been surveilling. You and I, all of us are being surveilled. We have to just assume that. Okay. Um, Ray didn't want it out. Paul Ryan, that rhino, didn't want it out. But he was like, oh, you know, we're just, you know, doing this. Pushing Devin Nunes out. They attacked him. Cash went underground and cash is intelligence. Okay. Every intelligence official does a job too. I've said it. Uh, that's why he didn't care that his um, license lapsed. Um, Rosenstein didn't want it. Rosenstein was very, very upset. Um, of course he would be because now it's all coming to fruition. I mean, it's all your fault. You know, wait till we find out who wrote that scathing New York Times, I'm an insider letter. Remember that one? Remember that one where it looked like so many people wrote it, looked like Pence wrote it, looked like this guy wrote it, when it was all of them. I could tell you who the author was. You don't want to hear it, do you? We all know who the author was. The same guy that was the go-between between steel. The same guy that is the go-between for this Ukrainian stuff. The same guy that orchestrated all the witnesses for Kavanaugh. The same guy. The guy with the Rolodex of names. Now, before we get to the whistleblower right after this break, I want you all to take a think. Who do you think it is? Do you think it's Anthony Sierramella or, or Eric Sierramella? It's Anthony. But, you know, remember... You know how you know you have a member of the farm? They always have a different middle name, and they usually go by their middle name. Just saying. So he goes by Eric um, Sierra Mela, even though it's Anthony Eric Sierra Mela. Um, so that's one. Or is it Mark Stahl? I mean, I talked about Mark Stahl, you know, in 2018. Mark Stahl, you know, not a lot of information. Foreign Service Officer sits in the State Department I said that, um, you know, Pompeo is waiting every time he goes into his office. We had a scathing response from Marie Yovanovitch. Of course we are. Of course we're going to have a scathing one. She's in a lot of trouble. What she said in February of 2019 is unforgivable.
trashing your president on a global scale, you know, in front of everyone, sitting there laughing and telling people of a foreign nation, don't listen to Trump. He's going to get impeached. Ignore his subpoenas. We got this. That is not something any foreign service representative should be stating. Now, Right after this break, I walked you through how Schiff, okay, Schiff, by the way, I just wanted to say before um, I break, in regards to this dossier, Schiff actually traveled to London with a staffer to meet with Christopher Steele. See, no one's talking about that meeting that Schiff had to verify the dossier and the PP tape. Schiff is really aggressive when he wants to get information. He took that trip to London. Well, right after the break, we're going to talk about the trip to the Ukraine and to see just how orchestrated this attack was and how the author helped manufacture it. It's their M.O. Mark Stahl or Anthony Sierra Mello? I don't know. We'll see. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. This is the last half hour, and I wanted to say two things. So I mentioned how um, President Trump, he was giving shout-outs yesterday to a lot of people, and he says, ah, you know, it's almost as annoying constantly hearing your My Pillow ads sometimes when I'm listening to things um, about Mike Lindell when he was giving shout-outs. I, I like to say I think Red State Talk Radio is the biggest My Pillow sweater ever. Um, you know, I, I, I'm sure that those of you that listen to me live are like, oh my gosh, okay, it's after that commercial that we start again because it's always playing um, 24-7. So I'd like to think that was a Red State nod. I also wanted to mention something that I want you guys to remember now that's going to come to the forefront in 2020. We've got a lot of changes coming with transportation. I saw that aggressive move here within my state, and that concerns me, only because someone that used to be a staffer for some corrupt New Jersey guy um, uh, uh, by the name of Albio Sires, she then went to different law firms lobbying for uh, transportation and Tesla. And now she just made a move back into the transportation committee. And that just came on the heels that the governor of North Dakota is now saying that the state is going to fund charging ports, you know, for cars. And, you know, it's, it's not something necessary. I'm just going to say, cause a Tesla car can only get me from like, if they put one in every city, um, major city and city means people over 50,000, right? Because for me to drive somewhere that can be considered a city ish because it has 250,000 people when usually that's like a suburb in regular cities, um, the, um, a Tesla in the snow, let's pretend because I really want, I, I actually didn't write a letter this year. Maybe I'll send it for Christmas. I always write Elon Musk a letter and I send him a card, um, usually um, in January and I forgot to do it this year. Gosh darn it. Where I ask him for a Tesla. I'm like, dude, there's like no way I can afford a Tesla. I'd really like one, please. Um, and I want the winter one because I'm here and I sat in it and I test drove it and I love it and I want it and you know you can write it off just give it to me but anyway it wouldn't get me from Minot to Bismarck with the heating on with the snow with the with the way I would drive I would probably be out of power by the time I get to Bismarck which is a hundred and somewhat miles away so you know uh, that's the concern that I have first is that the state is funding this 
when usually it's just private companies that drop it, you know, and they co-brand and they make money on that end, you know, from the branding. But on the other hand, uh, you know, this uh, suspicious move kicked in and that is a liberal tactic and it concerns me, but I'm pretty sure the president has his eye on it if I do. And, you know, this chick named Maddie Pike is one of the most aggressive in uh, uh, transportation lobbying and she used to be on the committee for uh, transportation and whatnot. Um, she was on the House uh, Transportation and Infrastructure Committee. And now um, she went back after going to like, um, she went to like Chambers and, and Hartwell, a law firm, and then Ginsburg, Ty Ginsburg and Associates uh, as the Director of Government Affairs, lobbying for companies like Tesla, for local governments and companies like Tesla. And so Maddie Pike moving back um, and joining um the uh, House Transportation and Infrastructure Committee as Outreach and Member Services Director is completely a flag for me. So I thought I'd mention it. Now, moving along to the Ukraine, here's where it gets really sexy. Okay, guys. So I already told you that there's a receipt where he sat down with Daniel Jones and they talked. Okay. Peter Strzok was also uh, in the vicinity. He actually presented himself, came up and just kind of like talked with them. The receipts exist. Um, this happened, uh, you know, before the complaint was actually filed. Okay. First of all, so before the complaint was actually filed, they sat down and met. I'm telling you the author of that complaint is Daniel J. Jones. Uh, you know, convince me otherwise, uh, seeing from the way it was written and it was so beautifully written and it was so identically written to his report on CIA abuse. No one's going to really change my mind unless someone else comes forward and I see previous writing that they did it. So that's number one. So we have this complaint that was filed, uh, supposedly on August 12th. This information about this phone call actually um, came from the energy secretary, Rick Perry. Rick Perry was the one that told the president to hold this phone call. So you have to ask yourself, why did you ask the president to hold this phone call? And he's been subpoenaed to come forward, right, guys? So we're waiting for that. So why did you ask the president to, like, come forward and 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 go and ask these, you know, have this phone call that was unscheduled? I mean, you urged the president to do it. Why? You know, that'll be an interesting answer to see because I am telling you that it's going to be super duper interesting to see how Adam Schiff's fingerprints are all over this too. So Adam Schiff, um, what a clown. I mean, he's really desperate for something. He, he's dying. Why? Because he is being exposed. Uh, yesterday, the article I put out indicates exactly what he has to lose, indicates how strongly tied he's with the Ukraine, how they're funding a blimp. Tell me, guys, how is a blimp, a blimp? You remember like the, the Hindenburg, right? How is a blimp? covert surveillance like you can't see it you could shoot it with a bb gun and it'll explode how is that even an investment guess what they're throwing tons of government cash allocating cash to this company that has no prototype but all they did was seal the ability to be able to have the full patent on you know blimps okay on blimps so you know you have to ask yourself We've got 
Adam Schiff completely tied up with the Ukraine. So on before the 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 complaint, right? The complaint happened around it was just before August 15th. Um that was uh, the Virgin Mary's holiday, so that's how I remember it. Um and uh it was just a couple of days after, like a week after that, um, the Atlantic Council, which is in partnership with Burisma, which is funded by, um, you know, George Soros, which is, which works with the Democratic Alliance, right? Which you need to see that article. It's on lauralumer.us and see all these foundations that fall under the Democratic Alliance. Um, and a senior fellow is the head of CrowdStrike, the founder actually, uh, uh, you know, Dmitry Alperovich, right? So we have that. They remember Burisma is also partnering with them and they employed Hunter Biden. So here we have his ideal staffer, Eager, who is really eager. Um, so Michael Thomas, Thomas Eager, traveled to the Ukraine, and it was supposedly funded by the Atlantic Council. Okay? Um, on August 28th, after his staffer is already there and gaining information, he tweeted the basic allegations that were in the whistleblower complaint before it went public. Now, we also have to remember that Bill Taylor is the guy that texted Sondland, and he was also in the Ukraine at the time that, you know, the staffer was there. And it was then, you know, right after, well, the staffer was still there, um, he tweets Sondland saying, oh, it is quid pro quo. And it's like, um, you know, it's pretty weird that the text that, you know, were sent by Bill Taylor kind of sounded like he was trying to entrap Sondland or make him say something. I mean, like, who does that? It's like me texting you. Oh, sounds like you buried a body and you'd be like, yo, what are you talking about? Call me like what the, you know, um, so that's what it looks like. Uh, Sondland, it seems was like super taken back by it. And just like you would, if I, if you get a text from me, Hey, where did you bury the body? Um, you don't want that text, especially on a government phone. <laughs> Just saying. You'd be like, what? Call me. What body? So it was at that point that Adam Schiff, Daniel Jones, the person that they're hotboxing, right, that they chose to be the whistleblower who, who, who has been selected, and his staff, which I knew about, uh, knew that there was a complaint and what it was alleging, right? Now, while Igor was in the Ukraine, here's the thing. He spoke with people in the Ukraine that he believed were sources. What he didn't know is that the sources were not playing ball anymore. They have already been disarmed. They are no longer weapons. So the question is, when Bill Taylor and eager were at that specific place, which I'm going to note in an article, it smells like fishy, right? Doesn't it? That Bill Taylor is hanging out with Thomas eager who knew about the, the complaint 
from Schiff. Schiff signed off on his staffer's travel to the Ukraine right after the supposed complaint. And then Bill Taylor texts him, yo, sounds like quid pro quo. And it's like, oh, did you do it while you were sitting down with um, Eager? I'm just asking for a friend. I mean, how many times do we have to say something is a coincidence before we realize that it's an incidence, not a coincidence? So this whole thing is shifty, right? All of it. And this is probably why they don't want anyone, any Republican House member asking questions or anything like that. They don't, they don't want any of it. Why? Because it'll be too close to home and too truthful. So funny how he picked the guy that's, you know, a counsel that's linked to George Soros and Burisma and Hunter Biden, who, by the way, Hunter Biden's probably in China, most likely in China, with hookers and blow. In any case, we were looking for him. Where's Obama? Well, the last picture we have of him is being in Africa with Ilhan Omar. So that's another one. So, you know, we have to think. Just how orchestrated this is. We have to think why it's so orchestrated. And I've already kind of mentioned it to you. I demonstrated how Adam Schiff is linked to Igor Pasternak. And you know what? God bless Scott Adams who put that together, which by the way, made an awesome call. He told me that Warren was going to make that pick and have that dude run by her. He said, and this guy's going to be living in Michigan and Florida because he's black and he's going to be trying to get, you know, the Latino and black votes like they're dumb. This is what they do. They're like, hey, we'll put one of your own people there. It, what do you mean your own people? He's not their people. If he was their people, he would be making jobs for them, not promising them jobs they'll never see. Uh, Donald Trump is their people. Donald Trump is every American's people. Okay. So... I want you guys to know that Adam Schiff back in 2013 had a massive fundraiser thrown for him at the house of this guy named Igor Pasternak. Scott Adams actually found that Pasternak had received $15.5 million in government funding right before, listen, right before Igor Pasternak threw this fundraiser for Schiff. And what's really funny is Igor Pasternak has lined the pockets of so many politicians, including Dana Robacker. But that's probably, you know, kind of like where you throw someone off the scent kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh, let me just drop some over there just to make it look equal. So he received all this because not to give a prototype, not to create this blimp that, you know, I don't see how you can hide a blimp. But anyway, well, you can if you have the technology that some may or may not have. But it's for research and development because apparently this blimp is going to be used for incognito covert surveillance. So what's really weird is, is that if you actually look into this company, they got $15.5 million back then, um, guaranteed themselves uh, a patent so nobody can create something that is similar to what they say they're going to make. It literally has like five people working, like five. And, you know, you have to think like what's going on. This company, Aeros, I actually stumbled upon looking backwards from Epstein, looking backwards from Robert Brown, looking backwards to a guy that sat 
in his that was attached to his West Palm Beach home that is linked back to England that is linked back to the Chinese um, and that were spies from the guy that was fired by President Xi that was selling information of China, you know, um, or what was he doing? I, I think he was like not selling information, telling on them for something that they were doing. I think it had to do with like human dust or something like that. I don't remember. Anyway, but the weird thing is, is that this company now in 2015 got more money and more contracts and they're raising all this money when it's literally a shell company. It's like a hole in the wall. So, uh, you know, it's basically like they're trying to fund the next Hindenburg that's supposedly going to be spying on us because even with a bow and arrow, you know, with a strong arm too, or stuff we have in our house right now, we'll probably take it down. <laughs> so it's like so dumb. This tells you all you need to know. I mean, Pelosi. Oh, that's the thing that I wanted to tell you. Um, in 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 this piece, it um, refers to a company called Pacific um, Real Estate. Um, that's actually linked to Paul Pelosi. So it's like, oh my gosh, like. Uh, these people are so deeply embedded, you know, because right across the street from my arrows, uh, where you can look on Google maps, I found a plane with a call sign <laughs> and I was like, I've seen this call sign before. Where have I seen it? And I was actually on the phone with Scott Adams when I was saying, it. I've seen this call sign. Uh, could it be one of Epstein's jets? And I'm like, it's somebody's jet. I've seen it before. Turns out belongs to Pacific Real Estate Consulting. Who has Pacific Real Estate LLC? It sounds like the portfolio that the Pelosi's have. And that's what's crazy. You know, you then you wonder, wait a minute, but Pelosi's son was in the Ukraine. Schiff is working with the Ukrainians. They're getting a lot of donations from Ukrainians. The Ukrainians are throwing parties for Pelosi and Schiff. And so now we're looking into the Ukrainians. We're going to find all of this information about the Ukrainians. And they don't want us being friends with the Ukrainians. You know, what's funny is that what people don't seem to realize is that this Ukrainian scandal is because the Ukraine is so corrupt. And the reason it's corrupt, and I want to explain this, it's not like these people, you know, came out of the USSR and said, we're going to be corrupt. <laughs> no, they didn't. They had smart Goldman Sachs executives uh, hired by the United States. They had smart, sneaky, you know, and the United States, we're talking the clown agency, right? Okay, not not the good people of the United States of America, the clown agency, the globalist elite front henchmen. Then we had the EU sneaky council come in saying, you don't need Russia. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to work with us. We're going to do this. You want to be rich? I can make you insanely rich. I'll give you guys tons and tons of loans. Loans, you'll do absolutely nothing and pocket the majority of it. And you'll live like a king. You'll be better than an oligarch. And you can go wherever you want after your four-year term. And we'll just rinse and repeat until we own the crap out of your nation. And that way we own all of your natural resource gas. This is how it's going to work. Because that is exactly where they are right now. They have so much debt that even if they sold every single ounce of natural gas and uranium that they have, they still can't make up the debt. That's how much they owe to the EU. 
And so when Crimea happened, it, be, it happened because Crimea didn't want to be like the Ukraine. They didn't want to be told what they're supposed to do. They didn't want to give away their rights to their gas. They didn't want to give away their rights to their farms. They're like, nah, man, we've been farming onions for a hundred years. You're telling me I got to farm carrots? I don't want to do that. I got all this. Other. Well, here's free money. All you do is destroy what you've been doing and do that. Yeah, but we don't really eat a lot of carrots and onions make me money and they've been making money in generations. They didn't like that. So, you know, this annexation, the fact that everyone's like, yeah, it should have been part of the Ukraine. It should have been because it would have been better negotiating power for the Ukraine on its own, not under somebody's skirt, like the corrupt EU or the crown or the globalist elitists. So, Again, the Ukraine is corrupt because smarter people went in and talked to people that thought were smart. Okay? There's a difference about being smart and thinking you're smart, right? You make think you're, ooh, I'm smart. Yeah, there's definitely someone more smarter than you and doesn't think they're that smart either. I'm just saying, this is how it happened. So we've got shell companies, we've got millions of dollars, we've got all these loans on unnamed properties that Schiff has. We've got Schiff's aid out in the Ukraine gathering information, kind of like they did with Christopher Steele. They went with one point and they said, let's Let's post manufacture before we drop. We need to know what they know. Pelosi blew the whistle on who's going where. They knew that Parnas was uh, coordinating the communication with Giuliani because Giuliani was his lawyer. They knew that they were in trouble because Durham was there. They knew that they were in trouble because Durham was being told by the Ukrainians, yo, Yovanovitch is not giving us visas. She's been, she's not denying them, but she's not issuing them either. We can't come give you the information. You need to come over here. Okay. That's why Yovanovitch was fired. Because she wouldn't let Ukrainian officials travel to the United States and pouch information. She was trying to force them to mail, fax, email, or call about it. And all they did was call about, hey, we can't come there, Mr. Durham, because um, we can't get a visa. What do you mean you can't? Well, the embassy is not issuing them. I mean, we applied, and they're like, yeah, wait. And they're not doing it. Have they denied it? No, but they're not doing it. That's the conversation that happened. Uh, right after she told Luchenko and everybody else, don't, don't worry about the subpoenas. We're impeaching this guy. He's gone. Don't worry about it. Don't listen to him. Don't pay attention to him. Everything's fine. It's not fine. Because they know it's not fine. Because you didn't do your job and you are being held accountable. And they will drop you instantly because not everybody should know who they is. Now, almost as if I'm a time traveler, in there I said, you know, the Dow's Democrats are most likely to subpoena Rick Perry, the energy secretary, next. Which is pretty good that he's going in there. Because he is the guy that coordinated the phone call. So the question is, why did you coordinate this phone call, Mr. Perry? Did you coordinate this phone call because you wanted for the world to know that President Trump was doing quid pro quo? Is that why? That's the thing. We already know that Rick Perry told him to make that phone call. So now he is being subpoenaed to come forward and talk. So what do you think the story is going to be? And let's pay attention. I, I want to fix this. Can we not say subpoena? 
because it's not an impeachment inquiry. It's not valid. It's called a request. So, like, if Adam Schiff is like, Tori, I heard you knew that my dude sat down with Bill in the Ukraine. I'm subpoenaing you. I would take a video of myself probably wiping my behind with it and say, this isn't a subpoena. Try again. This is a request. I don't have to comply. That's the way it is. I don't have to comply. So there is no subpoena. They have to stop calling it subpoenas. Stop calling it an impeachment inquiry. All of us need to be doing this. We need to change the way they're pushing information. If they keep saying this is a subpoena, then you're going to believe it's a subpoena. If they say this is an impeachment inquiry, then you're going to believe it's an impeachment inquiry, even though they didn't go to court. It's kind of like, hey, I'm taking Joe to court. You need to give me this information for court, but you didn't file for court. None of your business. We're going to court. I have a court case against you. Where's the court? I have a court case against you. You keep saying it, and everybody keeps saying it. Everyone's going to think it's common knowledge that there's a court case against Joe. This is exactly what they're doing to the president. This is how dumb they think you are. This is Neurolinguistics 101, guys. Neurolinguistics. There is no impeachment probe. There is no subpoena. Rick Perry doesn't even have to comply. He doesn't have to do anything. Besides, we threw him under the train, truck, airplane, aircraft carrier. He's the one that set it up. So the question is, who told him to set it up? Why did Rick Perry ask him to call the Ukrainian president? Could it be because it was part of this ploy? Could it be that he was coerced by someone and he's going to name the name of the person that coerced them? Or was this a setup that they walked right into and we let them know that Rick Perry would suggest that he should call? I mean, this is how it goes forward. There is no subpoena. There is no impeachment inquiry. Stop pushing that. There is no subpoena. There is no impeachment inquiry. Can we repeat that? So every time you see it, you can always respond to them saying they haven't held a vote, so there's no impeachment inquiry. That's not a subpoena. It's a request. If we can all keep doing that, it'll shut them up. But what they're doing is infiltrating the Internet with a false narrative. On that note, I wanted to say yesterday, well, today, for the first time in history, Greece opened up a crematorium. That is Uber scary, Uber not something that should be happening, and that is very, very alarming for me because cremation is actually against uh, Greece's laws uh, because it's against our religion. Why are they building crematoriums across the globe? I'm just saying. On that note, I want to wish you all a fabulous weekend. God bless all of you while I bear for the second snowstorm. I will see you here tomorrow. Oh, Monday, same time, same place. God bless.